0: Hi, my name's kaylee frost i'm the head of clinical support at health assured and you're listening to peace of mind i'm joined today by david now david is one of our counselors at health assured and we're going to be talking about addiction so for anyone that's listening or watching uh, please be warned that there might be some sensitive or distressing content that we discuss um, but the aim of 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 our episode today is to hopefully provide some awareness and, and maybe some hints and tips and some guidance as well Hi David, you? thank you very much for joining me today. This is your first podcast recording of Peace of Mind. How are you feeling?
1: Nervous, <laughs> yeah. Lot of cameras, lot of
0: lights. Lot of cameras, lot of lights. It's all to make us look absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Um, so we are going to talk about addiction today and, and you volunteered um, to talk about um, this topic with me. So thank you so much because it is a bit of a difficult one mm-hmm. um, and it is quite a specialist area and a lot more complex than the more general issues that we get calls uh, about at health assured um but first you want to tell me a little bit about yourself you know why are you a counsellor how did you get to to here today
1: it was down to my (coughs) my addiction okay yeah um personal experience um my choice was alcohol yeah so i got caught up in all that pretty early doors um and i got lost in it i couldn't find a way out um that that started from like the school environment, didn't really feel like I fit in. Yeah. Um, my self esteem went with it. My low confidence, um, and then it's navigating the world there after, and it's yeah. trying to find the answer to life really, and what I'm supposed to do, and what direction, and where I'm supposed to be, and and it got a bit too much for me. Yeah. Um, I couldn't regulate my emotions, and it was that kind of I didn't know what I felt. So as a the only thing that worked was the alcohol. Okay.
0: And and you said that's from quite an early age. That so if you say school school years,
1: it was it wasn't school years. I was pretty good um, up until a point where we'll we'll touch on this a little bit. Yeah, Gabor Mate uh, talked about trauma. I think trauma is relative. Um, depends on depends on the person. Depends on um, yeah the circumstances. So I was big into football, and so that was kind of my addiction, my escapism yeah. in that. When I got injured. It's kind of set me back and made me put into me put me into feelings. Yeah, and I couldn't process it. I didn't know what to do with them. So it was kind of like then I got lost in it. So I'd say college college years right, when okay. I was back yeah, in yeah. there, it was kind of like I, I didn't like school. So what am I doing at college? You know the whole process of that. And I'm like I'm, I feel a bit trapped and claustrophobic yeah. with this expectation that I put on myself, but this expectation that I've that I've took from others as well. Yeah, and I kind of. I rebelled against it really.
0: Okay. Thank you very much for sharing that. That's a it's a lot. And 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 I really appreciate you um sharing that, that as well, David. And I think if we start looking, I mean, we could probably I say this in every single episode, but we could talk about these particular topics for hours. Mm-hmm. Um and addiction is like a whole um a whole other um you know, like an umbrella there, and and it's something that we have a little bit of experience in from from a helpline perspective, from an EAP and an SAP. Um, but it needs specialist support. It needs specialist intervention, doesn't it? And and it's not, you know, we health assured or any other kind of helpline service can't diagnose someone. Yeah, but we can help guide them and, and move them on um, and signpost them to. To, to where might you know be best for them but look at those in the moment kind of coping skills and, and and things like that if we look at addiction as a whole what would you say would be you know the most prominent or i don't think popular is is the right word but the most like frequently diagnosed types of addiction
1: i would say what's more around your area and your environment yeah predominantly is alcohol yeah. Is rife. But yeah. Because it's it's purely that accessible.
2: Yeah. And
1: it's it's not really as taboo as anything else. Yeah. So it's that kind of it's acceptable. It's legal. No, it's legal. Yeah. So you can go to the corner shop and get it, and it's that, yeah. there's no there is stigma to it, but it's that kind of people minimise the amount they do drink to, to kind of to to be because they are wary of that stigma. Yeah. Um, and again, that'll just. Depending on your environment and depending on how accessible certain substances are um, to particular environments, and, and you, you get drawn into that wherever yeah. you can get access to.
0: What do you do? You see many calls coming through, you know, on, on the helpline, or, or you know, if through previous practice and training. Do you see many kind of cases of, of challenges with addiction?
1: Yeah. Again, it's that the initial, the initial where you're, you're asking the alcohol consumption. Yeah. Um, people are very defensive about disclosing that or they'll minimise it. They won't admit to themselves how much of a problem it is or they'll kind of go, I'm only having three bottles of wine a week and you'll go, right, okay, so put that in context. So nearly a bottle of spirits and they'll go, oh, right, actually. And then it it raises raises the bar a bit and it Mm -hmm. brings into awareness that actually three bottles of wine, not a lot, a bottle of whiskey, different ballgame. So mm. then it's kind of like, oh, I didn't realise how much it was. Right. But it's a, it's a coping strategy.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, we ask it on every clinical assessment that, that we do with individuals, don't we? We explore mm. alcohol consumption, um, any medication, even recreational drug use and things like that, because we need to explore those other risk factors with an individual and and the coping mechanisms whether healthy or unhealthy um, from, from an individual's perspective what do you think are the kind of key ways in which you can identify if someone might be struggling with an addiction let's use alcohol for example
1: yeah so it will be the amount initially and then they'll try and minimize it yeah so they'll try and justify it as well yeah um they don't want to admit to self that it is a problem, and and they want to remain in control of it. Yeah. When you're talking about family issues, and then you're going into the people that are caring, and you know they're a bit disgruntled or a bit defensive, and and they've they've kind of they don't they don't understand how they manipulate certain situations okay. to fit in with their need. Yeah. Um. So they, they they kind of like want to be left to alone, left alone, to do what they want. Yeah. Without any consequences or nagging or mithering, yeah. but they don't see the damage that they're actually causing. Yeah. So it's that accountability and responsible responsibility for their lack of awareness or again the justification. It's like it's it's, a, it's readily available and it's like everyone does it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do you think that's the same for other form, or, or could be the same for other forms of addiction? So you know, drug addiction. Um- gambling maybe uh food addiction sex addiction
1: do you think's yeah yeah it's kind of like what it's giving giving the person yeah so and again it's going back to gabor mate he's he's big into the trauma side of it it's it's identifying why you're doing what you're doing yeah and what that gives you so it's that gambling porn anything that will take you away from self and then pull you away from how you're feeling how you're processing it because people don't know how to do it it's yeah. like they've not been educated how to feel properly so it's very much a i'm feeling uncomfortable how can i get, escape this feeling so that's where the addictions come in into play so they'll get that immediate fix and that gratification they'll kind of pull them out of that
0: yeah Do you think so not you mentioned about not being educated on how to feel properly? Do you think that can stem, you know, from early years with individuals, you know, maybe not having the right kind of family dynamic, the right kind of influences um, for them, you know, to see as you as you're growing, as your brain is forming and and you're, you know, growing up. Do you think that can impact the likelihood of someone leading into an addiction?
1: I think it's there's a lot of contesting information, and especially if you go into um, a fellowship room, steps, and whatnot, and and some people have got beliefs around oh, it's hereditary, yeah. and it, and it's kind of like I didn't really. There's crossovers with it because in my family dynamic, there was always a, a keg on tap or there was always drink in the house, but it wasn't that kind of like because it was accessible. It was what did what did my parents use it for, yeah. and it was that lack of being able to express our feelings and emotions. So that's that's where your personality traits become inherent yeah. because it's their coping strategies of how to deal with certain mm-hmm. certain issues and certain feelings. It's like we don't know how to do it. We've come from a wartime generation. So it's that kind of, they didn't talk about feelings. It's like, yeah. just get on with it. So then that's passed on to my parents. And it's like, I don't know, because I would never talk about them. So then it rolls over. So then you're, you we're caught in this society of like, we don't really it's a doing society it's like productive it's like straight from school it's like you're told what to do you're told what to think it's like very regimented up until a point where it's like how you feel nobody ever really asked me how how i felt
2: yeah
1: um it's quite alien in a school environment but it was quite alien at home as well so then when you're trying to regulate your feelings and emotions and like my goals and my aspirations and this and other, it's like i'm not really guided or self-regulated yeah. it's kind of like what people expect of me. So then you get swept up in that. And it's like, mm. then, I, then I lose, then people lose part of self with that. So it's that inability to connect with emotions. And yes, it's learned behavior.
0: There's like, I mean, there's different kind of um, methods like, of, of attack with this really, because, you know, the way to uh, potentially avoid or mitigate those, you know, the, the likelihood of f- forming an addiction is to teach those mechanisms when from a very young age and be consistent with that and I think the school system is very different now you know school place counsellors that was never a thing when I was at school I'm sure it wasn't when when you were at school you know having on-site counsellors so that's almost work being done but then there's this catchment area of you know your 20s 30s and 40 year olds that haven't ever really had that you know from a young age again it's learned behaviours so those individuals that never had that experience um, of being taught how to talk about your feelings and express your feelings so I guess it's all adults really I guess how would you what would be the the way to initiate a conversation with someone that you think might be struggling so you've got a loved one, a friend you suspect there's you know alcohol abuse, mm-hmm. um, drug abuse, you know porn addiction, gambling addiction. I guess there's no one right way of broaching that subject with someone that you care for, but somehow this kind of stigma needs breaking and someone needs to broach this subject before it gets dangerous, you know, for for their loved one. What kind of advice would you share or what kind of approaches would would you suggest?
1: Those feelings. Yeah. So it's it's take take the actual addiction away. Yeah. Don't focus in on the addiction. So, so don't talk about I won't, the addiction. will not yeah. talk about the yeah. addiction because it, it kind of, you've got to understand that if people have got a problem with a certain substance, mm-hmm. that technically is their best friend. So if you're attacking their best friend, they're going to be defensive about it or they're going to justify why they're doing it or minimise. So it's that kind of go a different tactics like how are you feeling from day to day? Get a gauge of where they're at. Mm-hmm. Where their sense of direction, goals, like their life direction, in, in a way, because all manner of things could infiltrate that that process of being wanting to uh, drink, use drugs, this, and to escape. What what parts and what dynamics of the life is making it painful for them, and that suffering, what's what's causing them? It's like if you're stuck in a in a job that you hate for five years, then it's kind of like, oh, this is just my release from this monotony. Of kind of life yeah. but then they feel stuck and trapped in that so that, that cycle and that pattern of destructive behavior just just carries on going until they're not really aware of how it's escalated because it's kind of you, you kind of move the goalposts with it yeah once once it's kind of acceptable to i don't know every other every other day to then every day and then oh, it's just a glass and then it just escalates and escalates and escalates it's like you'll be able to see it uh, for yourself until until I suppose you don't, yeah, and then that's when it's kind of like, have you cut down? Your behaviour's not changed. Are you hiding it? Are you secret drinking? And then and that that opens up a whole whole new whole new level of deceit and manipulation that comes with it.
0: What what um, recovery pathways are there for someone that is struggling with addiction? And let's use alcohol addiction. You know, uh,
1: I'd say straight away. Um, and I know there's stigma to it. I have had I've had some callers on the helpline where it's it's kind of like you advise them and the fellowship meetings and like, mm, I don't fancy that because what if someone I know knows, knows there and engaging in this and the other and I'm like, well, th- there's a possibility, but is that gonna stop you from getting recovery or turning your life around for one person that doesn't really matter. You know, you might be acquaintances, but, you know, it's not kind of, But they're impeding your recovery, you're, they're impeding your, mm-hmm. your growth and aspirations and you moving forward. Um, but what it does give you initially is that connection with other people mm-hmm. and that like-minded kind of behaviours and attitudes around particulars, but it's all tapped in, it's all revolved around emotions. Mm-hmm. So if you're not used to it, then it's kind of like that's your first portal to open up and start understanding yourself. Yeah. It was when I first went and I think I was diagnosed with OCD at one point, and that was just purely because I wanted to latch onto something as an excuse for why I drank. Right. Okay. So it was that kind of and and be careful of that is because my I got I got sucked into that and I sucked a lot of people into it as well. It's like the cause of my addiction is not it's not my fault and it wasn't my fault um and i blame my depression on that yeah. it's like a reason why i did drink
0: yeah
1: um there is a bit of an overlap
0: so going into that um you know the the diagnosis the the addiction obviously that's never been named as an as a diagnosis that was it. Yes. Yeah, it reminded yeah yeah me. so
1: then it was the the ocd i remember i was uh, i was in a really bad bad way and I got completely lost in this this cycle of um, I would do bouts of two week binge drinking, and then I would not eat, yeah, because I'd I'd have that gagging and I, and I couldn't. So then that's something else to look out for. It's like the diet you can see it physically. It's like that that'll diminish. Um, it was when I was in a yeah, for want of a better word, it was like a, a detox kind of mental health ward.
2: Right. Okay. And yeah. it was
1: that kind of right. So. I was speaking to a um a psychologist psychiatrist and i was like i can't i I, I couldn't find a way out of it um and i wanted something to latch on to that would justify why i do what i do and it was it was kind of I'll, I'll take anything as long as you give me some medication so i can almost use that as an excuse as well so it was like i got the ocd diagnosis and i was like all right yeah that explains it because that's a registry as well yeah. But again, it's like patterns of behavior that you picked up from your parents who's got OCD. It's not necessarily hereditary. So but when I went into the rooms, everybody had OCD. So everyone was very like-minded. So then I realized I've not got OCD. I've just got these types of behavior and way of yeah. thinking very similar to the people in these rooms. Yeah. So once you form that kind of connection of understanding that I'm not alone in this, there's other people around it that's where you get support from yeah. and that's where you find a way out of it. It's like initially going into like a an alcohol or drug service um, to to put something in place for you. And again, there's a stigma with that. It's like I'm going to a drug and alcohol service. And it's kind of like that's one, too, one step too far. Yeah. But it's like that... how far do you need to take it before yeah. you admit that you've got a problem? And it's kind of like that could be six months down the line yeah. and then you've lost... Or you've suffered a lot more consequences. Yeah. And that's the big thing with addiction, it's like consequences. Yeah. So it's that kind of, I lost everything. And it's like I had to push it that far yeah. for me to get to where I am at the moment. Yeah. So I suppose it's a bit of a saving grace, and that's what put me on the on the track to where I am now, was yeah. like understanding self. So once I kind of got into the program and got myself a sponsor, and I'd always advise that, and it's kind of like, don't just go to meetings to so just... Listen to people talk about their problems in this area because you, yeah, you, there's a lot of similarities in what they're saying, but it's that you're not putting the work in. You're like yeah. a bystander to all the work that's being done. So it's get involved with a program, do the twelve steps, and that's with AA um, and CA and NA. Yeah, I found NA works better for me. Okay, yeah, and that was purely because it was raw. Yeah. And it was honest. And it was brutal. Yeah. Um, and that that's what I needed. And it resonated with me. So it was that kind of I did the steps AA.
0: Yeah.
1: But I preferred the NA.
0: Do you think so when you you're talking about support groups, um, drug and alcohol centres, and you're saying about people like, oh, I'm not I'm not there yet, do you think there is a stigma attached to it when people think about more the centres, I think. You know, your drug and alcohol centres, you know, wards. That that you have to. People have this stereotype in their mind of what a person looks like that goes to a centre or a recovery centre, a rehabilitation centre. Um, and because they're somewhat functioning, functioning adults, you know, they've got a job maybe, and they've got their family, they've got their life. Then I'm I'm not I'm not ready for that. Uh, I'm not suited for that. That's not. I'm not bad enough to be there yet. Do you? St- do you think there's a big stigma?
1: Absolutely. To that? But it's that kind of how long you're going to wait.
0: Yeah. but before till you are on the park bench? You know that on, person yeah. on the park and, and bench. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, that yeah. kind
1: of it. It's, it's it takes no mercy. Yeah. And it, it it's not really bothered about where you come from. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, it will destroy anybody within its light wake. Really. Yeah. So it's kind of like you'll you'll get to a to a point where you think it's under control. But i'm not quite there yet yeah and it's like right so how many more consequences are you going to take before you realize yeah and it is but it does boil down to that and yeah. it's that kind of do you need to take your house do you need to move out yeah right is that enough yeah no not yet so it was very much my path was i'll take your house yeah get kicked out it's not enough now i've lost my house so then you're suffering more so then that kind of cascades onto the fact that now I need I need more drink from from my perspective and it's like right so now what what else do you need to lose and it's kind of like well contact with maybe your daughter a little bit mm, maybe it's not enough but that hurts me more so yeah it gives me more more thingy so then you lose and lose and lose until you've you've hit rock bottom and you're you're practical on the streets and it's like right I've had enough now I've had enough of punishment and it's kind of like how do I get myself better yeah But people can't gauge it because it's the subtleties in it. Yeah. It's like don't don't say anything bad about my best friend because it's my support.
0: Yeah. Do you think so looking at things like binge like the binge drinking culture? Um, and like the like binge drinking addiction. So, you know, it's very glamorised. Again, like I mean, I talk about my relationship with certain things in in each of these episodes as well. And it's something I look back to my university years, my twenties, and living for the weekend, you know, sometimes even a Thursday, start the weekend then. And Again, you think, oh well, I'm not waking up and I need a drink every single every, every single day. This isn't an addiction, but there is such like a glamorized living for the weekend approach, and people get themselves into very dangerous situations, um, physically, mentally, and financially as well. You know, do you remember the the times of um, payday loans? Yeah. yeah. So I was in my early twenties. I worked in debt management at the time as well, and the amount of people that were same age as me living the similar life to me. In five, six, seven thousand pounds, you know, as soon as they get paid, everything's gone back, and they're taking more loans out in that horrible cycle to fund their weekends of binging, partying. I, um, I think there's less that there's less of a spotlight on that because people say, well you know, Monday to Friday, I'm at work, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Yeah, it might be a bit ropey still on the Monday, but they're living for that and they're consuming dangerous amounts of alcohol and that becomes their way of life for years, you know, perhaps all the 20s, their 30s. Do you think that's going to cause big issues, you know, moving forward in terms of addictions and people hitting rock bottom just because it's not waking up Monday to, Monday to Sunday, you know, and, and, and having a drink?
1: It's kind of understanding why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. And it's that, because it's part of society and it's a rite of passage when you get to a certain age so you can go out and enjoy yourself. But it's kind of like, can you not enjoy yourself another way as opposed to going out and getting absolutely wasted? Yeah, Yeah. And it's that, well, no, no, because I don't know, what does it give us? And then if you think about it, what does it actually give you? Yeah. What changes your feelings? So then my question is, and I look at it from an outsider now, it's that kind of, what's so unhappy about your life that yeah. you want to change your feelings yeah but it's also that is it changing your feelings or is it like with alcohol for example it's kind of like it's dimming down your thought process yes yeah so it's making you more human almost yeah so you're taking that conflict out of your head yeah and that's where a lot of people are it's like with the internal dialogue yeah and the heart space it's like don't people don't connect to the heart space and they kind of overthink it mm. once you put alcohol in the system it kind of like dereg it regulates it all yeah and it's that kind of right so now i'm now i like it now i'm now I'm more comfortable because you're more yourself yeah you're more your authentic self yeah. when you're in alcohol yeah so it's like we practice being more authentic self yeah without it
0: yeah and I think that's that's such a thing, a huge piece that's missing. People don't know what their authentic self looks like, the Monday to Friday, you know, um, always chasing that better version of themselves, the, the, you know, more of a laugh, more confident, yeah. you know, more social, more um, into, you know, like personable and stuff when, when you've had a drink. Um, and, With
1: some people though. Yeah. And it's yeah. it that kind of, I was never. <laughs> An extroverted person that'd be a laugh, you know, the life and soul of the party, I'd always go into myself. Yeah. So it's kind of like if it's tapping into your emotions, it's like understanding what the alcohol is serving them. Yeah. And you could you could identify that within the family dynamic. It's like if you're not happy and jovial while you're having a drink, it's like you're tapping into your emotions. Yeah. So then what emotions are you tapping into? Yeah. So then that's where the the cycle of the addiction is, like you're tapping into your feelings, yeah. If they're destructive feelings, you're caught in this cycle then, yeah. Of feeding the same horrible negative feelings, yeah. Whereas you're more jovial, it's like, oh, it's it's quite nice. It's because it's quite liberating. So I suppose he's he's watching out for what the drug gives the person. Yeah. Does it does it pull them into sadness or is it happiness? There'll come a point where there's no happiness involved, yeah. but he's catching it at that time.
0: Yeah.
1: And where's the mark?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where is that? What would you um, say in terms of, you know, like, so crunch time, hit crunch time. Someone is going, right. I need to, I've got a problem. I need to sort it. Practically, what are the next steps for someone that recognizes they need help? Would it be GP first? Like where, where do they go?
1: Depends on how good your GP is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's you know, that's being honest. Um, if you've got a good GP, go to your GP. If you've not, you don't find much use. I won't waste your time. It's kind of like you've got to, you've got to take in a way. And this is what I learned late on. Mm-hmm. You've got to be responsible for your recovery. Yeah. Because no one's going to do it for you. Yeah. Even though you'll get people on the helpline where they'll go in. Or they, acts of desperation on their part it's like i don't know what to do i don't know how to help them and it's and it's kind of like well you can't really until they're open to helping themselves yeah. so that's the that's the first step in into your kind of recovery journey and putting the substance down is by admitting that you've got a problem mm-hmm. that could be six months down the line yeah. and it's kind of like how so with your alcohol services yes there's stigma and they, yes it's the people that you're you're bumping into as you're walking in there He's kind of like don't want to be associated with that, but then also that you've got the the meetings and he's kind of I don't know what your generalized idea of what a meeting room looks like, but they're in recovery, so they want a better life so the kind of what I can say is the most genuine, authentic loving people you're ever likely to meet because they've had to do the work, yeah, so it's that if you want something that'll ease you in as your first port of call, get to a meeting. Yeah. Because you'll be welcomed with a brew and a biscuit. And it's like, you'll you'll be sat by next to someone if you don't feel comfortable. People will come and talk to you. If you want to be left alone, they'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, you don't have to share, you don't have to speak in your first couple of meetings. It's kind of like, just get a feel for it. Yeah. And it's kind of, as long as you come away from there with some idea that, yeah, I felt a connection, mm-hmm. you will do. And that, uh, I'm not judged wherever you are in day-to-day life. Yeah. You know, when it's that kind of It's
0: the safest space. It is a yeah, safest place. Yeah.
1: But it's, it's 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 um it's a unique experience. Yeah. Because that's how people should be. Yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't have thought you'd get that from an AA or an NA meeting.
0: Yeah. You know, talking talking about meeting are, are there forgive me for my ignorance are there meetings and um you know groups for various different addictions because I, I know aa and i know ga yeah for, for gambling but yeah. are there you mentioned na what's na narcotics narcotics yeah you
1: got cocaine anonymous okay yeah um and then you i don't know how they word it it was sex anonymous yeah okay um it's just the ones that i'm 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 privy off, but then yeah. there's also um lip balm anonymous
0: lip balm mm. anonymous
1: because again, it's that kind of it's a habit
0: really yeah so there's 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 communities and there's groups for pretty much a, a, any addiction pretty much yeah yeah, and if you're unsure about that, you know. You can just, I'm guessing, I mean, we've got libraries of, of different signposting and stuff like that at Health Assured. So if you have access to an EAP, you know, call them. They can give you some suggestions. But it could just be a simple case of popping things in online and seeing where your nearest support group is, I'm guessing. So, yeah, there's, yeah.
1: There's, there's, I know there's a lot of men's groups out there. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I've not looked at the women's side of it, but there were women's, women's groups as well. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just happening to if you don't feel comfortable in going to, you know, an NA on it because of yeah. the stigma or whatever. Going to your local, say an Andy Man's group or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. They're popping up all over the place. Yeah. So it's just getting in that habit of talking about how you're feeling yeah. and what's going on for you, and then it's like it starts the process because if you feel trapped or you can't disclose or share within your family dynamic or you can't share within your friends, it's like outsource it to someone yeah. that. And impartial. Yeah. That they will listen and they do care.
0: And it's people are all there to work on themselves and 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 hopefully share and support other people that have maybe earlier on in their journey journey of recovery and it, you saying about it being you know like a non-judgmental space it reminds me you know of people when they've got anxiety of going into a gym and uh, what are people going to think if I, are they looking at me with what i'm wearing and doing this and do i look silly nobody in that gym cares because they are there to work on themselves then they're, they're probably racked with the same kind of anxieties themselves of thinking, oh, are they going to look at me? So it's a similar thing, you know, people going to something to better themselves are already potentially caught up in their own head and, you know, they're not worrying about judging someone else there because they're already worried of the judgment they're going to receive or, um, you know, their, their own anxieties. So it does, it sounds like that is the safest place if you are, worried about judgment. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, John from down the road because John from down the road's having a really crap time himself and or he has had and he is there to help himself and get that support yeah. that he needs, you know.
1: Yeah, I never, I, I had the same thing about going into meetings. It was like, what if I, what if I bump in someone? Yeah. But I never did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's that you'll meet people and you'll yeah. meet friends there and you'll meet people that guide you along the way. Yeah. And they're the best kind of people that you need to be in in and around.
2: yeah.
1: It's like the person you know that that's, that you might bump into That again, like you said, they, they want the best for themselves. Yeah, And you can support each other along that way. Yeah. And it's like developing that better sense of, I'm doing something about it. And yeah. it's empowering that. Um, and there's a lot of, it's like, yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of humility to step through the door. Yeah. But it's also empowering. It's yeah. like you're doing it for you. And it's the best kind of... it. If you know people want counselling for their addiction, that got you meetings. Yeah. Get into a step program because that will set you up. They'll identify certain flaws in your character that you weren't yeah. aware of, and then it's kind of like right now that I'm aware of it, then I can do something about it. Yeah. And it, and that's what the gift of recovery is. Yeah. It's that kind of I can remold myself into the person I want to be. Whereas everyday people don't have that opportunity.
0: Yeah. What, I mean, we could, we've said it before, we could talk about this for a very long time. What do you think, before we wrap this up, I feel like, you know, we've covered a lot, probably could do 10 more episodes on it. Um, What do you think some kind of three key takeaways, you know, for anyone that's listening to this, that's worried about some maybe red flags in themselves or other people, you know, what, Three things, you know, what do you want them to take away from listening to this today?
1: You're not alone. Yeah. You don't have to be. Um, and it's like you, the only people that will understand you are the people outside of your family dynamic. Yeah. So it's going to the right people that you can make those connections and get that, that better level of understanding. Um, y- Your family will, will push because they care. And and that is one. It's not that they're not they're not criticizing you, they just don't know what to do. Yeah. And it's like the heart's in the right place, they just don't want you to suffer. It's that you don't understand that at the minute that you are suffering. And it's that don't take it to heart mm-hmm. um with your family because family are key yeah. uh, to it. And it's and it's it's always a place for change it it provides that motivation so it's that kind of my daughter was mine you know she was my guardian angel and it's kind of like that's the reason why i got recovery in the first place um so don't push your family aside neither so that's definitely key it's about connecting it's about feeling and it's definitely it's definitely more important than anything it's about tapping into feelings and it's understanding. Yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. That's why you've masked it with the drugs. Drug of choice.
2: Yeah.
1: Get used to listening to that. Yeah. Don't listen to your headspace. Listen to your heart space Because yeah. that's your guide. That'll hijack it.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's why I always tell a lot of people on the on the service on the on the helpline. Yeah. So if you start listening to this, that'll guide you right.
0: Yeah.
1: That'll hijack. And just remember that.
0: That was lovely <laughs> that was that was re- that's i think a perfect way to end this episode and thank you for sharing so many of your, your own personal experiences as well i that is you know it's invaluable as well to for anyone that's listening um it might resonate with a lot of people um and i think you will help validate and normalize a lot of things for for anyone that's listening so thank you so much i've learned a lot as well and i'm sure other people listening will have learned a lot as well and and just to anyone that is listening that is concerned reach out for support whether it's for yourself or others seek some some guidance and um some more advice um if you've got access to health assured through the eap just give us a call if you just want to hash something out with someone um and just talk talk that out and might get a little bit more clarity and perspective on what to do next so Thank you very much David it's been it's been a pleasure I really appreciate Thank
1: it. Thank you.